The views and opinions expressed by each individual show host and or guest, whether on air or via social media, are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Florent Radio staff, management, and or owners. Viewer discretion may be advised. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, now tuned into the greatest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children and appropriate ages, welcome back to another episode of Because I Have a Live Mic here on Fluent Radio. What's good, everybody? we got a great show lined up for you today. It's the middle of the season, so we're going to have a little mid-season review of NFL going on right now. Uh, we're going to talk about who I think is right now in the top tens of the league and who I think are in the bottom five. And, of course, we're gonna if we talk about bottom five, we, of course, going to talk about the Bears. Um, so right now... Just after what just happened in the league uh, with everything going on, uh, I want to do the Bears first, get them out the way, and then we can actually talk about some fun stuff. Um, of course, the Bears lost last time. They almost covered, which is shocking. I don't know if that says more about the Saints than that does about the Bears, but the Bears almost covered against the Saints 24-17. Uh, to 17. I think the spread was, I think, like a 14-point spread, so they actually ended up getting under there which is impressive um of course the bears i think the tyson badging experiment is over with now like we can kind of put that to bed that he was going to be like this new starter that's why i think they didn't trade um justin fields i think they ended up keeping him because of that fact um but at the same time i think now it is do or die for Justin because now we're in a weird position right now with Justin Fields because we have two spots for him to go right if he balls out for this last half of the season and looks to be the starter for the Bears going forward right this kind of changes the perception of what they do for it going into the draft right allow I know a lot of people are either looking for getting Caleb Williams or even uh, Drake Maine out of North Carolina I know Chicago the quarterback Wearing the number 10, coming out of North Carolina. We all have flashbacks about what happened last time we did this. But this one actually looks good. And with Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams have kind of, I don't want to say fallen off, but he's kind of came back to earth a little bit in these past, like, three games. He's very looked very pedestrian and looks very normal like a lot of people are saying he was a generational talent but i think now that he's kind of facing i don't want to say like top tier defenses but he's facing a little bit better of uh, play he's kind of not been as uh elite as a lot of people would think he would be and one of the things i say about that is that now that kind of caleb Williams has kind of played himself out of that number one spot as well as like marvin harrison jr has kind of played himself up to it so i think if we're looking at generational talent, I think now is more Marvin Harrison Jr. And I know a lot of people were, a lot of people have either drawn comparisons to 
or had even talked about being that Marvin Harrison Jr. is more reminds them of Kevin White, which I don't think it's the same as Kevin White. Really, what happens is with Kevin White is that Kevin White was drafted to be the number one receiver coming straight out of college, right? With um with Marvin Harrison Jr., he's not gonna have to do that because he's already gonna have like DJ Moore there. So he doesn't have to be the number one receiver right off the bat. So he can kind of have time to grow and develop into the receiver that we think he can be. So he'll be like coming out of college, he'll probably be like the number, you know, he'll be like number three on the death chart behind Darnell Mooney. I think he'll be a little bit better than any other receiver they have. Um, but what I think found it iPod already what I think what will happen is that he will be the number three receiver so have time to grow so that's why I think he's worth taking the number one pick if they get that because um this Thursday is going to be basically the number one pick game because with Kyler Murray coming back for Arizona um with Kyler Murray coming back for Arizona I think Arizona is going to play themselves out of that position because if I was Arizona and you're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes you kind of wanted to stay out of that position but they're going to start Kyler Murray they traded away uh, Josh Dobson so of course they're going to do that but now if you're Carolina or if you're Chicago for Chicago it's a win-win because if they win they make Carolina lose and if Arizona ends up winning it bumps them up to you know essentially the number one pick and if the Chicago Bears lose and Carol and uh Arizona loses, they still get bumped up to the number one pick. So it's a win-win for Chicago. Um, it's not so much for a win-win for anybody else because if Chicago is the number one pick, I personally think, of course, I think they should go Marvin Harrison. But if Chicago ends up getting like the number two or the number three, I don't think they should burn it on Caleb Williams. I think Justin Fields is a good enough quarterback to where you don't have to pick Caleb Williams up just because you need him right right now right I think he's fine to where he's at and I think if you just continue to build around him he'll be fine right like if you get him an offensive line uh help you can kind of see where it goes because let's look at what just recently happened right he got hurt yeah because he was trying to do too much again but those past again the Denver game for at least three quarters of it the uh Washington game he looked spectacular right in those two games, he had about eight touchdowns, right? He had eight touchdowns, I think two interceptions, and a passer rating of, like, 72. So that put him in the elite category for, like, in the and again, in the NFL at that time frame. Now, if you just surround him, he was getting more comfortable with DJ Moore. He was actually getting more comfortable in that offense, right? Like, he was getting more used to, you know, what Lugetti was calling and kind of getting more uh, acclimated to it so he was kind of showing his potential in that offense and then he got hurt and then not only he got hurt the whole running back room got hurt basically so they kind of put himself back a little bit but now it's no point of trying to quote unquote win out the season to end up getting knocking yourself out of that position to where you now only have one of the top five picks at the very least if I'm the Bears I'm thinking about this saying like hey we're going to have at least the number one two or three pick with Carolina because you never know how that goes and then if you're the Chicago Bears you want to at least still try to keep either that pick in the top five or the top seven you want to try to stay somewhere in there so that way you still have a chance potential to get like another top offensive lineman to go along with Dar uh, Darnell Wright who has everybody was upset about 
picking Darnell White over uh, Jalen Carter. And now it's kind of coming together, right? Like uh, Darnell White was a little rocky those first few games, but now it's it's coming together. So now if they can continue to solidify that offensive line, because there's not going to be too many people coming out in the free agency that are going to be worth a lot of money. Don't worry, we'll get to Montez Sweat in a minute. Um, but if you end up doing this right, drafting a kid out of Penn State, drafting the kid out of Alabama, one of those two who are going to be a top prospects coming out. And you never know, somebody may surprise you coming into the uh, combine or to the draft class who you never know may end up being a legitimate threat going to uh, going towards a new draft season. So if I'm the Bears, I'm looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. as an easy pick. And now, if nothing else, you have two of the top players going on to this offense to help it out. Right, I know a lot of people are more concerned about trying to rebuild that defense, but if you can get that offense together, I think you can be fine, right? Because Philly has shown us you can have a mid to bottom tier t- defense and still be in a position to win down the road, right? We'll get to Philly and their defense later, the reason why I think they won't get as far as a lot of people uh, predict them to be. But you can see that if you get a good defense, you can still have a capability of making a run. So if I'm the Chicago Bears, I don't want to ruin my opportunities by continued winning. But at the same time, if you're going to essentially use Justin Fields as like, hey, this is your chance as an audition tape for either us or another team, then you might as well do it now. So that's why I said last week to trade Justin Fields and get it over with, because either you're going to trade him at the end of the year, you're going to release him for nothing, or you're going to end up having to pay him a lot of money for not a lot of success, right? Because he, again, he is five and twenty-seven, right? Five or twenty-two, right? As a starter, right? He, he is not. He has always showed promising games, but never has put it together in like a good season, right? He has yet to have like back-to-back winning games as a starter. So if I am them, I have to think about that, right? Like at least trade him for something, right? Don't let him walk for nothing. Or if he shows me that he can be the quarterback for the future, maybe I'm not paying him top, top dollar, but I'm paying him enough to kind of be like, hey, maybe a two-year prove-it deal, right, or something like that to kind of keep him together. Um, But that's the only reason I can see why the Bears would even elect to start Justin Fields for the rest of this season, right? Because if I'm I'm them, I'm just like, Skippy, I'm just going to tank. Like, hey, Tyson, this is your team now, right? It's your team now. Do what you can. Because uh, that's what I would do just to get Marvin Harrison Jr. And I know tanking in the NFL is always weird. So a lot of people don't like to say that. But that's just my opinion. Right? <laughs> like at that point, you have to do that to kind of can get even get yourself an opportunity to be in the Marvin Harrison Jr. sweepstakes conversation. Right. Don't really worry about the quarterback position because you have that somewhat in lock or you'll see. And if you do feel that Justin Fields is not the guy, then you'll still have at least the top, you know, top five, top seven pick to get on quarterback. Because there are some good quarterbacks coming out outside of Caleb Williams, right? Like Sador Sanders said he's not going to come out, which is understandable. I think he's not going to come out. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that's not going to come out until his senior year. Um, Just because he wants to kind of get that full, not only get that full experience, but kind of just make sure that he maximizes everything he can do in college. Because I think Shador is a great quarterback. I just don't think he's a first round pick just yet. I think if he came out now, he's a low first round, you know, high second round guy. Like I don't see him 
separating himself too much from that pack. So at the moment right now, that's where that is at. And if I'm the Bears, that's the only thing I can think of going forward is that solidify that offensive line, get Marvin Harrison Jr. So you have, you know, essentially an offense that's because if you add Marvin Harrison Jr., just think about it. You have DJ Moore, who's kind of sort of coming together, right? Like kind of took a step back with Tyson Bajan, but I think with Justin Fields coming back, he's going to get back to where he was because when Justin Fields was playing, he was number five in the league in receiving yards, right? He was climbing that chart to kind of get up there with the elites in the league right now. You know, you have Cole Komet who is showing that they did not waste that money on him at all, who had another two-touchdown game, who's looking like one of the elite tight ends in the NFL today right now, right? That offensive line is coming together, right? Like, that right side of that offensive line is elite right now. They have allowed the less sacks and less quarterback hurries and hits in the league right now, right? You got uh, Darnell Mooney, who still shows those flashes of the player that he could be, right? You got Tyre Scott, who's coming together as a rookie, uh, I think he again he hasn't been put into sp- put in positions to kind of succeed just yet, but I think he is going to be another one of those key gadget players once Justin Fields get back to kind of unlock that offense truly. And I think, like I said, if you can add Marvin Harrison Jr. to that, right, you have a offense now that is dangerous and elite. Even if you think Justin Fields isn't the guy, just imagine that offense with Marvin Harrison Jr. in there. Like imagine like the field that has to get opened up because of that. So I just say in that as a level to it, if, if if he is the guy or even if he isn't the guy, Marvin Harrison Jr. is good enough to kind of make him feel like he's the guy for right now. So that's what I think. Um, as far as the midseason goes, so I want to do like a lot of my midseason reviews now. I just want to get it out there. So as far as it goes for me, here are like my – mid-season rewards or if you want to call them people who i think will end up winning these awards um i want to start because i have a surprise for my mvp so i want to save that to later so right now i do want to start off at just like uh i want to start off with the rookie award so i think cj Stroud is an obvious rookie offensive player of the year um he had five touchdown game yes uh sunday and a shootout with the bucks uh he had a great game then uh he has looked elite in this season, he has looked like he's a top 10 quarterback. He's got the Houston Texans above and beyond where most people thought they were going to be at, uh, as well as I think D'Amico Ryans is going to be all. Um, I think he's in the conversation for head coach of the year. Uh, I think it's going to we'll see if Dan Campbell can finish off the season strong enough to kind of uh, win that award. But I honestly think uh, D'Amico Ryan should win it. He, like I said, They've got Houston with no wep- no like true offensive weapons, right? Damian Pierce ended up being like a one-and-done, right? One season he looked great. Now he's not as dominant as a lot of people thought he would be. You got no real offensive weapons, no real threat on defense outside of Will Anderson Jr. And they look like they are a team that can even slide into the playoffs and be a threat. So I think C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans have that team playing legit, and that's why I think – He'll be end up being rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, and D'Amico Ryans will end up being head coach of the year. Um, as far as my defensive rookie of the year, a lot of people were going to go Jalen Carter. I don't see Jalen Carter doing it just because of the position he is in. Not saying that a D tackle can't win it. I'm saying as position as he's on a team with a dominant off a dominant defensive line already, so it won't 
So his impact there has been kind of nullified by the fact that there are so many people on that defensive line that you have to worry about from Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Nolan Smith, uh, a lot more off, a lot more team to worry about Hassan Reddick than Jalen Carter. So he kind of slips in and kind of gets a lot more uh, credit than is due just for being a rookie. I really would go more for uh, Devon Witherspoon from Seattle who have kind of played lights out, right? I think in the last seven games, he has had, I think, 57 yards off of seven catches. Like, not in this, like, not as in, like, oh, he's allowed that in one game. No, in the last seven games, he's allowed that many yards, right? He is kind of slowly but surely bringing back the Legion of Boom there. Like, it won't be the same as it was in those Super Bowl runs, but it was, it's looking like that. And I think Devon Witherspoon has very much so put himself in that elite uh, corner category right up there with like sauce Gardner, right up there with like jc jackson right up, you know in that category right so i think he's definitely put himself in that this uh discussion right um as far as like offensive player of the year arguably it's going to be tyreek hill i think he's on pace to do a 2000 yards i mean the two yeah the 2000 yard year for a receiver um Tua has that offense going, but I think it's because of Tyreek Hill. He, outside of last week's game where he kind of, I think the the emotion of it playing that old team kind of got the best of him because he didn't look like his old dominant self. But I think that was a, a hiccup, not going to be a trend because I think he is arguably the best uh, offensive weapon right now, right? Like there's not much he can't do on the football field. And he's on pace, like I said, to have one of the best seasons a receiver has ever had. Um, as long as Tua stays healthy, I don't see anyone stopping him. I think he is elite when it comes to not only route running, but just outrunning people in general. Like, we always knew he was the fastest guy. And, like, a lot of people thought, like, over time, like, with his age, that would catch up to him. But he's still the fastest guy on the on the field right now in cleats. And not many people can catch up to him in open field. And that makes him extremely dangerous. Um, now, I'll get to Miami later on when we talk about uh, top teams in the NFL. But if Miami continues to play at this pace, if he continues to be the, like, the biggest threat. And again, he's doing it on an offense that has multiple weapons, right? You have Jalen Waddle. You have... Um, Aitchin coming out of the backfield. You have Jeff, you know, Jeff Wilson coming out the backfield as well. You have a multitude of weapons, and for him to still be able to put up the yards and numbers that he continued to does shows how Mike McDaniel's has them offensive mind to spread this ball out and keep it together. And that's the good thing about it. Um, I think near the end it's going to get interesting because if Miami locks up. Like, if they end up being, like, a top seed, I think they may end up resting him because I don't think they're going to be the number one seed. Um, so it may be interesting near the end of the year to see, like, how they handle this situation because they could easily be like, hey, we're going to rest you even though you're close to it. Like, so we'll see how that plays out because that's always very dangerous with it. But we'll see how that plays out. I think if he's close, I think they will let him go and just end up getting the record for 2,000 yards in one season for a receiver with something that not, has not been done, right? I think 
like there's been running backs to do without 2,000 yards, but I don't think there's ever been a receiver to do it. So uh, he's our arguably offensive player of the year. Um, defensive player of the year is, in my opinion, this is why a lot of people want to be weird by this one, because I'm going to put TJ Watt as my defensive player of the year. I know a lot of people have another defensive end as their defensive player of the year. I'll tell you why he's not going to win this award in one second. But I think TJ Watt is going to win this award solely because he is the only thing on the Steelers keeping them afloat right now, right? Like, that offense has issues because Matt Canada is still there. Um, now they're having issues with George Pickens, who's, like, unfollowed. You know, by the way, I will always say, what a world we come into where now it's news where, like, a teammate unfollows the team and the coach. Like, like that's the headline. It was like, he unfollowed them. What does that mean? Like, dog like imagine the world now where that is like headline like, let's be on sports and like he unfollowed him like what does that see what does that read just like it to me it just be like he's frustrated so that's not all uh, he didn't block him so that's if he blocked him then it'd be a different story but i think that offense has issues that i don't think matt canada can address because like oh he got down on the field and played better like no it's not that right like i think the problem with them is <clears throat> They have a quarterback in Penny and Kenny Pickens who really and truly can't throw it deep, right? Like his arm from coming out of Pittsburgh was always questioned. And now you have George Pickens, Devontae Johnson, you know, you have weapons there, but he can't really take a full advantage of it for that reason. So now when you look at it, it's going to be, that's why like they are five and three but like if you want to truly deep dive in it it's because that defense has kind of been holding teams to like you know 17 10 you know 14 20 points and they've kind of just been getting lucky so to speak at you know winning those games um the tj watt has kind of been the key factor in that like coming off of that injury a lot of people thought it was going to have a down year but he's just picked up right where he left off when he got hurt. And he's looking like the defensive player of the year in my mind. I just can't see this team being where they are without him there. And if he continues to play at this level, now again, do I think they make the playoffs? Probably not. But I think they keep Mike Tomlin's record of not having a losing season intact. Which again, is impressive. Be in the league 14 years, win a Super Bowl, and never have a losing season, right? To never have a losing season. Not like just, you know, not one game other. Like, never have a losing one. That is impressive to do that in 14 years as a head coach. Uh, to have as many fluctuations. Again, this is, when AJ, uh, this is when Antonio Brown was still sane. So, let's keep that in mind. So, for that, I think it's still impressive to have it. But I just think TJ Watt is really the engine that makes that uh, team go. And I know a lot of people were throwing around trade value for him and saying, like, hey, you know, if you trade TJ Watt, you could probably get, like, I think that would be, that would be not so much the death of it, but I just think it would be a bad move on the end of the Steelers because you're trading away essentially the heart and soul of your team for a guy you don't know. And then now if it doesn't work out and he goes and plays lights out in another team, you just basically traded away your best player for somebody that 
you don't you don't know the cost of it there. So I think trading away TJ Watt would be hilariously bad. And as far as my MVP go, so I have had this argument many people multiple times. Whenever it comes to MVP, because a lot of people always call it the quarterback award because that's normally who wins it. You know, we haven't had anybody not win it. I think since like Marshall Falk has last time a non-quarterback won the award. Um, in my opinion, I think it should go to Miles Garrett. I think Miles, if you're talking about most valuable player, it is without a doubt Miles Garrett. I think Miles Garrett is the only reason why the Browns are even in still the conversation of a playoff run, right? Like from everything dysfunctional going on with that with Deshaun Watson basically committing the uh, greatest scam ever and not being not remembering how to play from Nick Chubb getting hurt to now this offense looks pedestrian. Like he has been single-handedly keeping the Browns afloat. And that's why I say when you say most valuable player, if you take this player off of this team, are they the same team? If you take Miles Garrett off of the team, the Browns are not even close. I don't think they win a game if it's not for Miles Garrett. So if you want to talk about most valuable player, it has to be him, right? Like I know a lot of people will be like, oh, well, you got to look at Lamar and Jalen and, you know, even Joe Burrow. So it's just like if you want to do that, then just have a best quarterback, um, have a best quarterback award. But if you are talking about purely best player on the field, it is Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett had last game had dudes so messed up that they didn't they had to waste the timeout to figure out what they were gonna do to block him, right? Miles Garrett is so good, he's up here doing the basketball, the basketball crossover before he gets sacks. And he still gets the sack. Like he has been that dominant. And if you are going to sit here and tell me that we're talking about most valuable player, you cannot say that without having Miles Garrett. So that's my opinion on why I think he should win it if you have other ones cool whatever but that's just me i think if he's not even in the category for it i think it's, it'll be a a discernment to it and then it just to just be called the mvp you know the quarterback award right at that point because it's just no one has won it that's not been either an offensive player or a quarterback and i think one of like i said since marshall falk did it and that's been that's been too long ago so, like, again, that conversation has to be had. But to me, like I said, without a doubt, it's Miles Garrett. I think he has been, like I said, arguably the best player on not only in the Browns but on the field at some points, right? He has changed the game for a lot of times for it. Again, keeping the Browns afloat single-handedly outside of, like, Deshaun Watson, like I said, when he wants to play. They are not – they think they're five and – I think they're five and no, they're four and four. If Miles Garrett is there, I don't think they win a game. I think they're eight zero oh, and eight. So, if you want to talk about MVP, that's why he gets my MVP vote. If I had one, he would be getting it all the way. So that's my like I said, that's my midseason uh, awards. Like I said, I think if you know, you look at it through my eyes, you gotta agree with me. Even if you don't, I don't care. It's my show. I can do that. Um, so let's talk about now. I want to talk about something I think that a lot of people were more interested in, uh, is like right now who I think is going to be um, the top teams in right now. So right now we look at in the NFC. I want to start the NFC because I want to say this. The NFC is wide open this year. Like there's no true team that is like dominant. I know a lot of people want to say like Philadelphia, but Philadelphia has one 
the offense has not looked the same, right? Outside of the tush push, like, a lot of their offensive plays have not been the same, right? I know A.J. Brown has just been, like, on a different level dominant, right? Like, he's had, like, I think five games where he uh, ended up getting 125 yards, at least 125 yards in each game. Uh, that offense is not as dominant, but it's still looking very, very good. It's still hitting on all cylinders. The problem is with Philadelphia is that defense is not the same. Like last year, that defense was lights out. Like you knew if they got seven on you, it was over with. But right now, that defense is very much their weak link. Um, their defensive ranking right now. So through nine weeks, their defensive ranking right now, their total defense, they're 20th, right? No, total defense, I'm sorry. Total defense, they're 13. So they're in the middle of the pack. Um, passing defense, they're almost dead last. They're at like. 29 right they're so bad the bears pass defense is better than the eagles the bears pass defense right number one rushing defense and that's not shocking like i said with Jalen carter that front seven that's not going to be shocking scoring defense is thing is another one that is uh shocking they're 20 they're 20 they allow 20 like at least 22 points a game that's not good and like, and one of the key things that I think a lot of people don't notice about them is their red zone defense is uh, twenty six. They're in the bottom half of the def- in the defensive league stats at that, and that's key things: red zone, passing, and total. It's like very key because if those two things, because let's just look at uh, last week's game against Dallas. Had Dak not stepped out of bounds, that's a totally different game. They don't have to drive the whole yard of the field, and then again. Now, I know a lot of people will say, well, the refs kind of helped them out. In some points, yes, but a lot of times they were giving up stuff. Like, I know you give up underneath, which is fine. Just don't let them get out either A out of bounds or the first down, but they were giving up a lot of first downs in that drive, right? Uh, now, of course, Dallas going Dallas, and they messed up and got a sack and got another sack and then had to go for it on fourth and, like, 38. But if you look at it, if Dak doesn't step out of bounds and they get that two-point conversion – it's now a two-point game instead of a four-point game. They get the field goal. Now you have to tell them to go the length of the field to win it. They have been getting a lot of luck thrown their way. And I think a lot of times it's going to start to run out, especially once you get into the playoffs. And that's where it's going to start kind of sort of hurting them, right? Like I said, that's why I say – we don't know what since uh, when I said what San Francisco is with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has kind of looked very pedestrian in the last few games. Um, we know that Detroit and Seattle are. I don't want to say pretenders, but I will say Detroit is a year ahead of schedule, and Seattle is kind of right there. If they weren't in a weaker division, I think they wouldn't be uh, the number five seed. If they were in like a weaker division. If they were in a stronger division, I think because they're in the NFC West where it's really only like a two-team race between, you know, San Francisco and Seattle, they it would be a different story. Um, so those two teams are more pretenders than contenders. You know, Dallas, who I will be I will give the devil its due. Dallas looked great in that game. They did not come out flat like they did against San Francisco. They came out ready to play and they played. They played with Philly. In Philly too. They looked great. Again, it, Dallas always gets in Dallas's way, of course. But if Dallas did not, if the ball fails different type of ways, if Dak, like I said, if Dak doesn't step out of bounds, 
if they don't take that sack this could go a lot of different ways so i'm not 100 sure that if they don't meet again in the playoffs that philly doesn't lose that game right san francisco like i said we don't know what's going on with them right minnesota we'll see right like i know the big story is like josh Dobson came in and played with only like five days and didn't know the playbook but yeah he's the man is also a rocket science so it ain't like he didn't couldn't figure it out and so we'll see how that goes but with this time i don't know who's the top team in the nfc it's so wide open and i kind of like it like this because now you just can't just go like oh (laughs) we got we gonna win right here like nah it's so open like the only, I think the only team that I know probably won't be a threat will probably be whatever team come out of the NFC South. I think the NFC South is has um, the title of the weakest division because none, outside of like Carolina, none of those teams I really view as a threat, right? Like Carolina, obviously, of course not because they're not gonna, they're not even gonna be in the conversation for playoffs right now. Um, between Tampa Bay, Atlanta. And New Orleans, I don't know who's going to be the better team between those three. Because Tampa Bay has this thing where they tend to play at the level of their opponent. Like they dominate the good, they dominate the bad teams. But when they play good teams, they kind of just like don't look as dominant. Um, New Orleans have the same thing that New Orleans has the same problem that has always had. Like they have a lot of things around them, but no quarterback to kind of push it forward. Right. They don't have the guy anymore. Right. They thought it was going to be Jameis. He really didn't work out. David Carr's looking more like a placeholder than anything else. And, you know, Taysom Hill, you know, Taysom Hill is going to be Taysom Hill. So you never know what you're going to get with that. And in Atlanta, Arthur Smith got to figure out how to actually use his good players, right? I've never met a dude who has, like, top-tier players and then decides, eh, I'm not going to use them. Only reason I'm not going to use them is because he's upset because people are mad at him for not using his key players because they want to use them in fantasy. Like, imagine being mad at somebody because they say, like, hey, use Kyle Pitts more. Like, throw him the ball. Imagine being mad at somebody for saying that. Like, no, I'm going to go to John U. Smith, Right? So that's why I kind of disqualify the NFC South. I don't know anyone who's going to be like too scared to play anybody in the NFC South. Um, But with the NFC being so wide open, I don't know who's going to come out of it. I think it's still going to be Philly. I think they're, while their defense is still going to be the weak link, I think they have just enough offense to overcome anything that they need. So if it's going to come down to me, whoever gets the ball in the, the last second, right? If Philadelphia has a ball in the last quarter, or the last few minutes of uh, the fourth, I think Philly is going to win because I think that offense is just is not as dominant as it was last year, but it's still very good and very dominant because it's again not too much you can do against AJ Brown. <laughs> it's not too much you can do just to stop AJ Brown. So there's that. Um, and as far as the AFC goes, right? The AFC is less wide open than a lot of people assume it to be, right? Like. Arguably, I think the best team right now is Baltimore. Like, I know a lot of people were expecting the Chiefs, and the Chiefs aren't... The Chiefs have a problem, too, because the thing with the Chiefs is they offensively don't have anything outside of Travis Kelsey. Um, Travis Kelsey is the only true, like, offensive weapon because they trade for Kadarius Toney, and he hasn't really worked out as, like, the gadget player he was supposed to be. Uh, they go literally go back and get uh, Hardison from you know the Jets, 
to go get him back because like okay we thought we need we thought we didn't need him and they go back to get him so he's back there they have sky more but he's never really he hasn't really like stepped up to be the receiver they thought he was going to be and you know they have that running back out of committee i mean Isaiah bachenko is good but he's not been the level of running back that they thought he would be where patch mahomes is sometimes they're leading rusher and that is not his game uh the defense is playing better but they're still the weak link but right now i just think if teams can figure out how to stop travis kelsey i don't know too many other weapons they have that a lot of people fear and that's the thing where i said they should have made a trade in the before the trade deadline like you have patrick mahomes you really don't need that number one pick because you're always going to be picking low down you're always going to be picking like in you know the low 20s and uh, low 20s or 30 or 32 so it's not like you need that first round pick i would have traded him and got him you didn't even have to go get him like a top tier receiver right like if you go get somebody like you know you didn't have to go and get like a Devonte adams right or you know somebody like that you could have got like a terry mcclaren they could have got like anybody um that's a little disgruntled from where he's playing at and you would have added that to patrick mahomes it would have been electrifying right they need more offensive weapons to kind of separate themselves from the pack because Joe Burrow and them boys are playing now. Joe Burrow's always starts off slow, but then they realize, all right, we gonna we gonna play now because them boys is coming, right? Um, you got Patrick, you got Lamar Jackson, who is not lighting up the scoreboard to where a lot of people would think he would be. But if you look at the games he played in, he looks great. Like he looks like what we've been trying to tell everybody was: you get him some receivers, you get him an offensive line that can put together. He's look like he's looking great. He's looking better than the MVP form because now he doesn't have to run as much, right? Now he kind of sit in the pocket and dissect you. And like that defense, a lot of teams are saying, like a lot of people calling them like they're better. They're right up there with the uh, Ravens of 2000. Like I wouldn't go there. I would go 2012, the team that won the Super Bowl. I think that defense is right there. I don't think there's that 2000 Ravens. That's a that Ravens is a class of its own. That's up there with like the '85 Bears in defensive stats. Right? That's crazy. Something you don't you don't see every day, right? You get again. That team was you kick a field goal and you didn't lose a game, right? That's a crazy level of defense you got there. But I think if it came down to a offensive shootout, wow! I think Patrick Mahomes always is going to have the arm strength to do it. I just think weapon wise they the ravens have a little bit more with zay flowers coming along right with uh bateman coming together now with odell beckham jr kind of showing the old odell beckham every now and then like he's you can tell that he's old and you can tell that he has no acl joints anymore like it's just bone on bone um but you know mark andrews is coming together right it, that running back by committee is coming together right so that offense is coming together and that defense is already looking elite together right now so i think the ravens are clearly going to be the number one seed and this is going to be a if the ravens get the number one seed this will be very interesting because of the fact kansas city for the past three years have not had to go someplace else to kind of get to the super bowl the kind of role have always gone through uh arrowhead and now if you make them have to go to a baltimore to a cincinnati right to one of those places where they have they don't have that home court advantage anymore, it's going to be completely different, and it's going to see how 
good they are. And like I said, if you're offensively struggling, you want to play at home because you want to have that capability of kind of controlling the crowd, so to speak. Because if you, like I said, if you're struggling on offense, the least you could do is have it to where you know the field a lot better. Um, Like I said, Cincinnati is coming together, of course. Cincinnati has always started off slow and then started off and get hot and then they end up just being the third seed, right? They beat Buffalo. Buffalo is a very interesting team because Buffalo does this where they win against the teams they're supposed to beat. They either look really good or really bad against the teams they're supposed to be equal to right like and that's the thing with josh allen is like if josh allen is not playing hero ball which means he's not throwing it you know 60 plus yards to like a wide open stefan Diggs, and you make him like hey we're gonna make you beat us right like we're not gonna give you this deep ball we're gonna make you chunk play us to death that is where it comes in and it's not looking as great and i know a lot of people were on me because like i said oh josh allen's you know Trash tried to get me when I said Josh Allen looks done when he throwed a four interception against the Jets. And like, oh, look, he just put together these games and routed off these games and beat blah, 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 blah. But it's like, yeah, but <laughs> look at the teams he's beat, right? Miami, he beat, of course, because Miami can't beat any team that's over 500. And the rest of the teams have losing records, right? Like, he, they didn't beat the Jets. They barely beat uh, anybody else. So, like, the problem goes for... Like, you can't sit here and tell me that openly you think that they're still a good team. I think they're still a team that will get to the playoffs because I don't see anybody, A, in the AFC West, I mean, AFC East, being good enough to uh, overtake them. And then also, I just don't see anybody, you know, I just don't can't trust Josh Allen to be like play at a, at a high enough level to kind of see where they can be at and win the game. So for me, that's all it is with Josh Allen. It's just like if he's not throwing the ball, you know, 50 yards or he's not running around and making plays, it's not that great. And you can't even sit there and say like, oh, well, he doesn't have the weapons. He has the weapons. He has Stephon Diggs. He has uh, Gabe Davis, right? Running back may be a little bit more questioned with uh, James Cook. You know, that's probably why he has to run around a lot. Uh, uh, Dawson Knox is there. Dalton Kincaid is there as well. So he has the weapons. It's just to me... I think we made him out to be this great player before we actually had time to like, whoa, stop, let's see, right? Like, let's see where he's at, right? Okay, so look, look at the teams he's beat. They beat the Raiders, who, okay, they just now got good. Uh, they beat Washington. They beat, like I said, they beat the breaks off the Dolphins, but to be fair, the Dolphins can't beat anybody with over 500 record. They, bar- uh, they, beat, they barely beat the Giants. And then they barely beat the Patriots, right? So, like, the teams that they're supposed to be beating, either they barely beat them or they'll blow them out, and those are, like, really bad teams, right? The teams they lost to, the Jets, who, of course, that one was a weird one because Aaron Rodgers got hurt and then the whole emotion of it all, and that was a weird weird one, whatever, right? Like, he lost, they lost to the Jets, right? They lost to, you know, they lost to the Patriots, which, again, that one was weird. They lost to the Bengals. And then they also lost to uh, Jacksonville, right? And Jacksonville, again, another one of those sneaky teams where it's just like, where are y'all at? Like, y'all are all over the place. Like, they don't know when they want to be good or they don't want to be bad with Jacksonville. So, 
that's why I, in my opinion, don't think that they are an elite team in the in, in the AFC. So for me, I don't know. Now, one of the teams that I will say again is a sly little devil team is Jacksonville, right? Like Jacksonville is Jacksonville has put it together. I think they're still a piece away. I feel like they're still like one piece away from being like that team that kind of could challenge, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. I think they're still like one piece away from kind of being in that elite level talk, right? They look, Trevor Lawrence has kind of bounced back from his rookie year. He's looked great under Doug Peterson. Um, he still has like tendencies to kind of, make rush decisions and i think it kind of works in his you know favor and disfavor sometimes because he has like travis Etienne, who again college college teammates so they know each other back like the back of their hands but the problem is he still doesn't have like that true number one receiver right a lot of people thought it was going to be calvin ridley and then he's calvin ridley hasn't really hasn't really asserted himself as like a true number one i think Calvin Ridley is good I think he's a very elite receiver but as far as like being a number one you know number one receiver I don't think he's there just yet um so I think that's one of the things that's holding them back they don't have that true receiver threat the defense is kind of coming together like the defense is a weird like hodgepodge of like first rounders and just like trades like they don't really have like that true defensive standout they got, you know, Trayvon Walker. So they just, that that's, would be here, their standout. But they don't have that guy that a lot of people fear. So that's the thing that's holding back um, Jacksonville from being in that level, right? They're going to be in the talks, of course, because they're going to be there. I think they're the number three seed in the AFC. So they're going to be up there. But I just don't see them getting too far in the playoffs. And then we have Miami. Miami is such a weird team, bro. Like, offensively, they are so great. Like, offensively, they're so great. Defensively, they're getting it together now that Jalen Ramsey is back. But they can't beat a team that's over 500, and that's the problem right now. Right? Like, just recently, like, the game in Germany, they were supposed to be – they were supposed to dominate that game, right? Like, the offense – it was supposed to be an offensive shootout, and we are going to see Tua versus Patrick, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill versus his old team, and – we're gonna see all these lights and it was just like they look pedestrian like it looked like not it looked like a old school madden game of the 21 to 14 and it's i think it's because of the fact that mike daniels is a great offensively minded head coach but i don't know how i don't think he knows how to coach a game through and through right like he can i think he can do it when they're up right when they're up and they're dominating that he knows how to actually like coach it i think when it's a coaching battle it's harder for him to do it right and you're asking the guy to you know try to out coach andy reed one of the greatest head coaches in the nfl history that would be a little bit hard but then you have you know him not getting out coached by like the bills head coach right you have him not getting not being able to figure that out right and it's so weird because like offensive mindedly he's great just the defensive set is just so weird because he'll give up like i said 48 points to the bills 
and then go right back and drop maybe a 50 burger on somebody else and it's so weird i think they need to either a figure that out first right like figure out what they need to do and how they can get that offensive not even offense together but just kind of sustain it through the whole season right because they're going to end up being like an offensive juggernaut right and it's going to be a track meet anybody plays against but the problem is is that if they get up if the opponents get up 10 on them i don't know if mike mcdaniels knows how to coach from behind he knows how to coach from when they're leading and then it's a track meet and everything it's going crazy but i don't know if he knows how to coach from behind and i don't know if he knows how to coach up a team like that so until they can figure that out miami won't be as dominant as a lot of people think they're going to get in because they have a very easy schedule coming up so they're going to get in and it's going to look pretty but when they get in and if they're the you know the third seed and they got to go against somebody like the bills or if they end up dropping a little bit or they got to go against somebody like the ravens defensively we're going to see how how like offensively we're going to see how he handles like a top tier defense so we'll see how that works but i just think miami has to figure it out if they want to get to a super bowl with Tua. and like i said if Tua stays healthy i think no one can beat this team if Tua stay healthy and mike mcdaniels can figure out how to coach a game better um I know a lot of people calling them frauds i don't call them frauds just because of the fact that this is only mike mcdaniels like second year and he's just figuring it out like i said with Tua getting hurt his you know first year as a head coach not really figuring it out and then Tua got better and healthy and now he's just still playing at that level so i wouldn't say they're frauds just yet i think they're still true contenders i just don't know if mike mcdaniels can coach them up to the level where they need to be and as far as like who i predict to go to the super bowl this year from mid-season reports i think it's going to be the ravens i think like i said the ravens are the most complete team offensively defensively special teams i think they're the most complete team um as far as the AFC nfc side i'll put it to you like this i'll stake my claim right now and say that the eagles go back to the super bowl um i think yes defensively that is their crutch right now i just can't see them getting outscored by too many people right nick sirianni has figured out how to coach this team and again it doesn't help that you have aj brown over there that can just catch the ball off of anybody right like it's hard to stop him so i just can't see too many teams stopping the eagles offense and if the defense can hold together just long enough to kind of stop a run i think they will be fine so i think we'll be baltimore and philly but i just think if it goes down to that uh it's definitely going to come down to lamar versus jalen hurts and i like lamar chances a lot better than i do jalen hurts so i think baltimore ends up winning this the super bowl this year we will see i know a lot of people are out here thinking that it's still going to be like kansas a rematch for kansas city and philadelphia i don't know like i said if kansas city has to go on the road i can't see them winning if they stay at arrowhead then yeah but for me i think baltimore overtakes them as the number one seed and i think um that is going to be baltimore philly in the super bowl uh before i head out of here i did want to talk about this so for everybody who didn't know montez sweat got paid now a lot of people are going to say they overpaid him 
let's talk about it, right? First of all, way to go to make it hella awkward in the building now. Like, you got Jalen Johnson who was up there publicly saying, like, yo, pay me my worth. And y'all said, nah. And then y'all trade for Montez Sweat and pay him, like, 24 mil a year. So that's going to be awkward. Um, That's awkward, number one. Number two, in my opinion, right, you go out and get this guy for a second-round pick, which is fine, right? Whatever. Khalil Mack was offer, was asking for not even the same amount for, for lower. They were asking for 22 a year. Now, at the time, they did not have the cap space to do that, which is fine, right? I understand the reason why they had the money is because they traded away Khalil Mack. But to me, if you had that money, I would have paid Jalen Johnson I would have paid Jalen Johnson, if not the same, at least maybe a little bit less, right? At least put he asking for top tier money. Yeah, he's not a top tier cornerback in my mind, but he is in that top, you know, top seven, top ten cornerback. So don't underpay him, but at least give him fifteen a year, something like that. Because while Montez Sweat will again, he will be productive. I know a lot of people were upset because he didn't get a sack in the game against um, New Orleans, but that defensive line has had more has not had had more pressure than it has ever with him so it's not all about sacks it is about the pressure it is about creating double teams and making sure that you can take away lanes so there's more to a defensive lineman than just getting sacks but the issue that i have is that once you pay him that that sets the standard for the rest of the team because now if i am a bears player Especially if I'm one guy that you drafted, a guy that you said that's going to be a cornerstone for this team, and then you go and pay a dude who you just traded for top-level money for like not having the success that a lot of these players have thought he had, this will cause a rift in the team. And it's going to be because, you know, Roquan Smith came out and said, like, hey, I'm so glad I got out of there so my career didn't go down the drain. And if I'm a guy who got drafted, if I'm Jalen Brunson, right off Kyle Gordon, I'm looking at Jalen Johnson having to fight to get his money, and you got a guy in Montez Sweat who just walks into a contract. It's going to be hard coming back into that to where you want to keep these players because a lot of these players are going to be like, you didn't show any type of loyalty to us, right? And, again, from a business sense, I get it, right? Like, you don't owe them loyalty, but if you are talking about – trying to build something and you want to keep top players there you got to pay them this money right like this idea of what would just go out and get money uh get another player and pay him that like no like to me if i'm a player i'm just like well cool then after this year i'm not even gonna ask for a contract i'm just gonna dip i'm just gonna play for you know i'm gonna play show every team's that i'm a elite and then i'm just gonna dip and set myself out on the market right because you're either gonna a un try to underpay me B, try to trade me for nothing, or C, just not even going to pay me and let me walk. So at that point, I might as well just do it myself and be like, all right, y'all, I'm out. Because now, if, let's just say if Jalen Johnson goes out and he falls out and he plays at a Pro Bowl level and he says, like, cool, I'm going to walk, now where do you go from there? Because there aren't too many cornerbacks, top cornerbacks that are going to be out in the uh, free agency, right? And now if you're talking about, okay, cool, we're still going to get this defense together, who are you going to pay, right? Like if you pay a cornerback high-level money, you could have just kept 
Jalen Johnson in there, a guy that's been there for a while, a guy who's been, you know, a team captain who is, uh, I don't want to say heart and soul, but is a key player on that defense. If you take him away from that, it's not going to be, it's not going to set up a lot of those other teammates for success. And then that's where it's going to start getting a lot more division from you guys to the front office. And if you're Ryan Poles, yes, Poles, I know I said Pays last time, Poles, that's what you don't want to do because if you're a GM, you have to be half and half, right? You have to be head office guy, but you also have to be a player too. And you being a former player, you know, like, hey, if the players don't trust the front office, you've already lost the team. And that's where you're heading up to right now. So if I'm the Bears, I'm figuring out how I can pay Jalen Johnson to keep him there, right? I'm figuring out you got the most cap space. You can figure it out how you can keep him there at least for two more years to kind of get this uh, together and write this ship because it's easier to write the ship when you have pieces together versus trying to write the ship where you're just trying to like, we're trying to basically glue pieces together to kind of make yourselves a better team. So that's just my opinion on the Montez sweat thing. But anyway, it is time for me to go shout out to my radio for putting me on shout out, shout out to Shandra for putting on the show tonight until next time. I got two fingers for you guys. Deuces. Your hands up in the